0: Welcome. Mary's just running back to her seat now. (laughs) Hi, everybody. It's great to see uh, so many of you here in the sanctuary. And I'm just going to have a quick look. And there's loads of us on Zoom as well. So it's great to welcome you all to our service here in Heathervale, uh, whether you're at home or or here in the sanctuary. Uh, And we're just going to spend some time with God. This morning, which is amazing, isn't it? Isn't that what we're all here for? Um, so, haven't really been given any notices, but by way of apology, um, you're going to see a lot of me this morning. Um, you might notice that there, there is no one else here on the stage. Um, so, uh, it, it, it's, it's all me, I, I'm, so uh, apologies for that, but God is here, so let's focus on God. Um, after the service, should anyone on Zoom uh, want prayer for anything, um, Nigel is the, the Zoom man today, so if we can just text Nigel, the number will come up on screen now, there's his number, um, in church here, unfortunately, we we don't offer the same service at the moment. Hopefully, within the next few weeks, we will be able to, but um, at the moment, no. So, without further ado, we're going to worship God, because God is amazing, isn't he? Um, so, I'm just going to open in prayer, and then we we'll go straight into worship, and um, and after worship, we're going to have a time of response prayer, praying, giving thanks for everything that God has done for us. Um, so I'm not going to say anything at that point. It's just over to you guys. Again, as normal, if you're in the sanctuary, we've got someone on, on the boom mic, so put your hand up, and Alison will come and, come and uh, mic you up, as it were. If you're on Zoom, just unmute yourself and uh, and and pray uh, your praises praises to God. So let's just uh, pray as we we open now. Heavenly Father, it's so good to come into Your presence. Your Word says, "Where two or three are gathered together, You will be with us." And there's more than two or three here, so we know that You are here. So now, as we come to praise Your holy name, just receive our our praises. Uh, we want to be a, a sweet smell in your nostrils, a sweet sound to your ears. So we bless you, Heavenly Father. We bless you, Jesus. Receive our praises now. Amen. So let's, uh, if, if you want to stand, if you don't want to, stay sitting. As we're singing, um, please keep your masks on if you're in the sanctuary um, for, for singing. But um, let's praise God. Yes.
1: of the Lord Almighty. into your family free forgiven, my guilt is washed away your loving kindness is life to me cause it's grace, there's nothing I can Love's all I am and all I'll ever be Oh yeah Makes me a winner Whatever lies the devil throws at me Freely given with priceless blood My life was ransomed at Calvary Then my Jesus gave everything he could that I might live for eternity Cause it's grace There's nothing I can do To make you love me more To make you love me less than you do oh, faith. I'm standing on the stone Of Christ and Christ alone Your righteousness is all that I need Cause it's grace There's nothing I can do To make you love me In Christ and Christ alone, Your righteousness is all that I need. it's great.
0: Grace you have lavished upon each of us, Heavenly Father. We cannot know or understand the love that you have for us, but we love you and we just want to give you our praises now. We want to give you all the glory for everything that you've done for us. We can't understand fully the love you have for us, but just receive this token of our love back from us here this morning as we bring our prayers of adoration of worship and praise to you now in jesus name
1: so much for your amazing love your amazing grace your amazing everything father it's just so wonderful to know that you're just so amazing (laughs) and lord we just we just pray that lord that you'd help us to just enter into all that you have for each one of us Father, it's just so incredible to think that you count us as righteous, but it's not anything to do with us. It's all to do with Jesus and his death on the cross. And we thank you so much, dear Father, that Jesus was willing to come and die for us and give us life, life eternal. We just thank you and praise you. In his name, amen.
2: In words from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Put off your old nature, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt. Do not love the world or the things of the world. For if one loves the world, love is not in him for the Father. The world passes away and the lusts of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on a new nature created in, like, in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away falsehood, let everyone speak the truth with his neighbours. For as we are all members, one with another. If necessary, be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Thus, giving no opportunity to the devil. Amen. May we say a prayer for Janet Mills, for a speedy recovery from the hospital amen yes lord we thank you for how amazing you are lord we thank you that when we were far away from you 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 brought us into your family lord you you died for us you filled us with your holy spirit lord and that you're with us all the time lord even when we turn our backs on you you never turn your backs on us lord and lord wherever we are you are just with us lord we just praise and magnify your name lord no words that we say can be enough to to glorify you today lord
0: amen So, Father, we, uh, we thank you for everything that you've done for us, for each one of us. Each one is so important to you, that you would have given your son just for, each, for, for every single individual. If they were the only person, you would have given your son. What amazing God you are. What a loving God you are. We thank you and we worship you. Praise your holy name. Amen. So where are we up to now? Okay, a bit more of me now. Um, It's time for the all age video. I'm just gonna sit down. (laughs) So there was this guy called Saul He was a Jew and a devout Pharisee. He hated the followers of Jesus, the so-called Christians, because he thought that they were anti-Jewish and anti-God. Saul made it his business to get rid of all of them. At one point, he was present at the stoning of one young Christian, uh, a man they called Stephen. Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit and told everyone he met about the good news of Jesus. But to Saul, this was heresy and undermined the Jewish faith. Stephen was presented to the rulers of the Jews, who questioned him and found him guilty of blasphemy. They took him outside the city and stoned him. Saul was watching and encouraging those that were stoning him. But as they did this, Stephen looked up to heaven and he saw a vision of Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. Stephen echoed Jesus on the cross and said, Lord, do not hold this against them, but receive my spirit. Following this, Many of the Christians were forced to flee their houses in fear of their lives as Saul went from house to house searching for them and dragging them off, both men and women, and putting them in prison. When Saul realized that many of the Christians had escaped and fled, he went to the Jewish leaders. Saul had discovered that many had fled to a place called Damascus and were now hiding there. Saul asked the leaders for a letter of authority to go to Damascus and to continue persecuting the Christians there. The leaders were only too happy to agree. So off Saul went on a journey that would change his life forever. Now, as Saul and his men were riding to Damascus, all of a sudden, a bright light from heaven appeared and flashed all around them. It dazzled them and scared their horses who panicked, bucking and jumping from side to side. Paul was thrown to the ground and as he lay there, he heard a voice coming out of the light. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul responded. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go on to Damascus and you will be told what you must do. Saul's crew were astonished. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul, are you all right? They asked. But as Saul got up, He found that he could not see. He was blind. So the men took him on to Damascus as Jesus had instructed. Now, at that time in Damascus, there was a man named Ananias. He was a Jew and a Christian. As he was praying one day, the Lord appeared to him in a vision and said, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street, and ask for a man named Saul of Tarsus, for he is praying. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to your people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with a letter of authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. So Ananias did what he was told. When he got there, He placed his hands on Saul and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. At once, he got up and before doing anything else, Ananias baptized him. Without delay, Saul began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All of those who heard were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on the name of Jesus? And
2: hasn't he come here to take them to prison and back to the chief
0: priests." But Saul convinced them and many others that Jesus was the Son of God, who died and rose again for the forgiveness of sins. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews who rejected Jesus to kill Saul. But Saul learned of their plan Saul and his new friends went by night to the wall and his friends lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall so he could escape. Saul was now called Paul and when he escaped he went all over the region preaching the good news and starting new churches. He even went back to Jerusalem but that's another story. So, I don't like it when pop-ups keep on coming up on my computer, really off-putting. So, this week, uh, we're actually finishing off our series on work. We had a bit of a break last week where Tony uh, talked to us about sharing God's love, didn't he? Um, but, But this week, we're finishing off our series on work. Um, and our reading comes from Romans, surprisingly enough. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, nice short one. Um, you therefore have no excuse. You, is that? No, it's Romans 12. Can we get Romans 12? That, That doesn't look right to me. It'd be quite useful if I had a Bible with me, really, wouldn't it? Just bear with us. Right. I can read it from here if you want. (laughs) Let me just read it. Therefore, I urge... Let's put my glasses on because then I'll be able to see what it says. pleasing and perfect will. So, um, we're we're talking about a new power to motivate us to work. So just before I I, I bring uh, the, the message, let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we know you're here by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we just ask that you will teach us all this morning through your word. Teach us through the message that you have for us this morning, that we might be more like you, that we might become more like Christ and demonstrate his love in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. So, a new power to motivate us for work. Well, as I was um, preparing, to to bring this talk. I, I was drawn to Paul, hence the video that we had earlier. I was drawn to thinking about Paul because is there anyone in history that has been more motivated to work for God than Paul? I think not. You could call out your Wesleys or or maybe Martin Luther, more recently Billy Graham or even Mike Pillavatchley, but I don't think any of them can hold a candle to Paul, can they? So as we look at this topic this morning, what I thought might be useful in the first instance was to actually have a bit of a recap of Paul's early life, because we often gloss over that, don't we? It might be useful just to give us some context and think about or or learn a little bit more about Paul as he grew up. So you see, Paul was actually born under the name of Saul. He uh, was born in Tarsus uh, about the same time, maybe a few years after Jesus was born and his family were Jewish They were from the tribe of Benjamin and they were Pharisees. And so Paul grew up in that pharisaical uh, tradition. Now, Pharisees were extremely xenophobic. They adhered stringently to the law of Moses and they believed the Jews should be set apart from the rest of the world. They believed that they should be free from contamination by the Gentiles. and That's the non-Jews. That's most of us here. Um, and so they, they, they wanted to be sort of isolated, which was a bit odd, really, because Saul and his family were actually Roman citizens as well, which was a bit of a paradox, if you like. So Saul was educated primarily when he, when he started growing up, he learned to be a, a tent maker. And then he was educated under a, a fairly high profile, a prominent rabbi in Judea, where he trained in, in the law and he trained to be a lawyer. And um, he was actually set to become a rabbi himself and widely tipped to become a member of the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin was the ruling council over all the Jews, the Jewish nation and the Jewish religion. And they ruled on on everything. Saul was zealous. He was ambitious. And I guess this is what led him to his religious extremism and the persecution of Jews that turned to follow Jesus. The followers of the way, if as they were called at the time. Now we saw in the video uh, a little bit earlier that as Saul was when Saul was younger, he was present at the stoning of Stephen, wasn't he? Although at that point he didn't get his hands dirty; he just watched on and he encouraged those who were actually doing the dirty work. Um, but after that point, Saul went on something of a reign of terror across against the Christians. And uh, yeah, so that led him to the point where he went to Damascus because a lot of the Christians fleed. And at that point, everything changed in his life, didn't it, as we saw in the video. But what's that got to do with work? What's that got to do with motivation? I hear you ask well. I think we can see from from Paul's early life that he was a hard worker. He was naturally a hard worker. He was driven and ambitious and this made him single minded. He even described himself as that in one of his letters, uh, the letter to the Philippians. Um He describes his life before his conversion. If someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. So Paul's motivation was self-advancement. He was interested in recognition, personal honor, and uh, he wanted to get to the heights of, of power. He put all his efforts into this. Now, maybe this single-mindedness was a natural talent. Maybe it was a gift. Maybe it was to do with his upbringing and how he was taught when he was a younger, a younger boy. Who knows? But in some respects, you could say that nothing really changed on the road to Damascus, couldn't you? Nothing really changed in his motivation, in, in his drivenness on the road to Damascus. But actually, that's not right, because there was one thing, one really important thing that did change, wasn't there? And that was his motivation. You see, Paul had been motivated by himself, but after his experiences on the road to Damascus, he became motivated by God. His life changed, Um, Maybe, in fact, he became more driven, more ambitious, more single-minded, more outspoken after he met Jesus than before, if that were possible. And I'm sure he did. Because the passage after this, after the one we've just read in Philippians, he actually talks of what happened to him, what he now believed. Uh, Philippians that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So with this context in mind, what can we say about Romans 12, verses one and two? Well, in verse one, Paul implores us to get our lives into focus, doesn't he? Just as his life was brought into sharp focus on the road to Damascus. But this isn't an empty command. This isn't without basis or reason, because Paul gives us the reasons that we should put our lives in focus, doesn't he? He says, in view of God's mercy and because This is your true and proper worship. So we need to get our lives in focus as a response to what God has done for us because Paul grasped the enormity of what God had done for him, the immeasurable grace and love that God had shown him through Jesus, through Jesus' death, on the cross to pay the penalty for sin and his subsequent resurrection to life again so that we might have the gift of eternal life with god with the father and with jesus in heaven paul urges us to offer our lives as living sacrifices doesn't he holy and pleasing to god but what does that mean what is a living sacrifice in fact how can you be a living sacrifice a sacrifice is dead yeah you you die so how can you be dead and alive at the same time and i think this comes to the crux of the matter for paul you see when paul met jesus on the road to damascus it caused a revolution in his life didn't it Everything changed in his life at that point. He was, previous to that experience, living for himself. Everything he did was for himself, but after that experience, everything he did was for God's glory. So it was like his old life had been put to death and he was now reborn in Christ. And some of us here, will be old enough to remember the 70s, 60s, 70s and 80s. And we used to use the, the phrase, a born again Christian, didn't we? Does anyone remember that phrase, born again Christian? Which obviously alludes to the fact that we're, we're um, reborn in Christ, but it's a little bit of a misnomer really, isn't it? Because if you are a Christian, if you are a Christian, you are reborn, you are born again. There is no such thing as a Christian that isn't born again. So we don't need to add a born again Christian, we just need to say a Christian because Paul writes in Romans six, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the father we too may live a new life for we have been united with him for if we have been united with him in a death like his we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. And then he continues in verse 10 of the same chapter. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And I think the last four verses of verse 10 here, are so important. He lives to God. Jesus' resurrection and life were for the glory of God, the Father. And the work he did was for the the glory of God, not for his own glory. So if Jesus is interested in glorifying God, certainly Paul was also, after his rebirth, interested only in glorifying god and that therefore must be true of us as well mustn't it Our our, everything we must we do must be to the glory of god our motivation must change when we become christians but there is a but isn't there? because we're human we're not god we're not jesus jesus is god And so everything he did was for the glory of God. But we're human. And as such, we struggle in our lives, don't we? And I think that actually this is where the living sacrifice bit comes in and is so pertinent. It's so important because what we have to do as as humans is constantly put the old life to death because the devil wants to attack us and remind us of all the things that we used to do doesn't he and so we need to constantly constantly be getting rid of that and and living start living our new life in Christ but how how do we do that how do we continually put our old cuz sometimes we might find that our motivation is waning a bit, might we? We might find that, that we're lacking in motivation because it, it's, it's hard sometimes, isn't it? And we might find that this motivation drops. And there might be a whole host of different reasons for that. It might be that we're just completely exhausted. We're really tired. It might be we can't be bothered sometimes. I don't know about anyone else. Sometimes I feel like that. Um, We might look at things and think, well, that's just too difficult. Or maybe we might be scared of what's going to happen. But actually, I think these are more symptoms than causes because I think there is one major underlying cause for our motivation to drop what is that well i think we take our eyes off and we lose sight of everything that jesus has done we lose sight of the amazing grace that god has poured out upon us Um, we become dry and barren we end up working in our own strength Rather than working in the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit, because we've taken our eyes off the glory of God. And what happens? Well, our work becomes futile and fruitless, as we've heard in previous weeks in this series. So, how can we guard against that? How can we stop? our motivation dropping, because that's the key, that's the important thing here, isn't it, I can tell you that, yeah, it's all going to go horribly wrong at some point, and we need to come back, but we want to, we, we don't want to get to that point, do we, we, we want to keep going, we want to keep progressing with Christ, so how do we do that? Well, here's my Baptist bit, there were three points, <laughs> um, firstly, We need to constantly and continually keep going back to the well, don't we, to coin a phrase. We need to keep reminding ourselves of everything that God has done for us. We need to, where where do we do that? Well, we do that in the word of God. So we need to immerse ourselves in the word of God. Paul was constantly writing to all the churches and reminding them, of what God had done for them, to keep them motivated and on track. So if those early churches needed it, how much more do we need it? So the epistles, Paul's epistles, are a great place to start to find that encouragement and that reason for God's uh, – uh, to, to remind yourself what God's done. A, a great example is Ephesians uh, 1, verses 4, 3 to 9. Um That says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship and daughtership through Christ the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. So the first way is to keep immersing ourselves in, in, in the word. In fact, Ephesians is a great book. The first three chapters of Ephesians just lay it on thick. They take us to the heavenlies and 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 show us how amazing God is so if you're feeling low I'd, I'd recommend the first three chapters of Ephesians to start with well the whole of the Bible really but <laughs> um, so that's, that's the first thing we need to do immerse ourselves in, in scripture secondly we need to constantly be filled with the spirit don't we the spirit empowers and guides us. Paul wrote to the Ephesians again in uh, chapter five, five, and he said, instead, be filled with the spirit. Martin's often uh, expounded on this and, and said on more than one occasion that actually this isn't a great translation. And the translation should really read, be being filled with the spirit because it's not a one-off event. We don't just get filled with the spirit once when we become a Christian, do we? We need to constantly, constantly be, be, be being filled with the spirit. Because how, how many of us drive a car? Who's got a car? Uh, I've got a car. What happens if you go for a drive and you just keep driving and you keep driving, And then the light flashes up on your dashboard, doesn't it? And it says, fuel. And you ignored it. And you just keep driving, and you keep driving, and you keep driving. What happens? Well, the car grinds to a halt, doesn't it? And that's true of us because the Holy Spirit is our fuel. If we don't put fuel into our cars, they won't go anywhere. If we don't put fuel into our lives, we won't go anywhere. So we need to constantly being refilled with the Holy Spirit throughout our lives. So that's the second way that we can guard against our motivation dropping. And the third way is to look at our own lives, actually, because we all have, I hope, experiences of God in our own lives. We wouldn't be here if we didn't, would we? to be fair, um, and I'm sure that at times in Paul's life, he struggled. I'm sure that he sometimes felt his motivation drop. He had doubts. Maybe he doubted himself. Maybe even he doubted God. And how do you think he deal with it? He dealt with it? Well, I'm sure, I, I don't know, but I, I reckon what he would have done is looked back at that road to Damascus experience, to remind himself of what God had done for him personally. And I'm sure we all have experiences in our own lives that we, we can look back on. For me, there's a number of them. Um, I'll just very, very briefly share one of them with you. So very abridged version. I, I grew up in a, in a Christian family Um, I gave my life to to Christ when I was, I guess, 11 or 12, maybe a little bit younger than that, really. I was baptised at 13, and everything was great until I went to university. And then everything changed. So my faith dwindled. I found all sorts of other things to do, that, as young people do. I'm sure I'm not the only one. Um, So... I sort of went away from faith. So wind forward 17 years, and I'm working for a company in Somerset, a small software company. Um, Things weren't great, to be fair, at the time. I was working hard, but I wasn't getting on particularly well with my boss. Uh, And I was having to go down and stay in Somerset for like three or four days every fortnight, had a young family, and it wasn't a great time wasn't getting on with my boss. And one Wednesday afternoon, when I I was driving home, I'd literally just had a blazing row with my boss. And I just had this light bulb moment. And I thought, I can't go on like this. What is, what am I doing? I need something to change. And I prayed a prayer that went something like this. Okay, God. If you're real, get me a new job. And if you do, I'll start going back to church. So I was playing rugby at the time, playing quite, I was coaching and playing quite a lot of rugby for a local club in in Weybridge, Weybridge Vandals. And that Saturday after the Wednesday, we had an away match. And I'd arranged to pick up one of my teammates, a guy called Calvin, who I didn't really know very well, um, for the match, so I picked him up. At the time, I used to keep my business cards in the center console of the car. Um, so I've picked Calvin up and we're driving off to Mitcham, which is where the match was. And he picked up one of my business cards and he read, Senior Software Sales Executive. He looked at me and said, Not looking for a new job, are you, Mark? He said, I I work for a small software company just up the road in Sunbury, and I know my boss is looking for new sales execs. So, anyway, long story short, he took my card, and within three weeks, I had a new job. And so I started coming to Heathervale, because I thought, well, a deal's a deal, Better, better hold up my end of the bargain as it were and, and so I came, came to Heatherwell um, lost my place now so I'm sure we all have these experiences in our own lives that we can call them they might not be as dramatic as Paul's we might not see a bright flashing life but they will be equally as important to each one of us, won't they? They will be equally as meaningful to each, to to ourselves. So we need to call and recall the specific things in our own lives that God's done for us. Because sometimes we can think, I talked about the uh, scripture, immersing ourselves in scripture to start with, didn't I? Sometimes we can think that that's just a little bit theory isn't it? It's, it's words on a, on a page and we, we can almost, that's head, not heart. Whereas our own experiences put those things that we read in scripture into practice in our own lives, don't they? They, they bear out what scripture says in our own lives. So they're really important. So we've not got long to go now. You'll be pleased to hear. Um, but the three, so there are three areas that we can, guard against our motivation dropping on there so scripture the holy spirit and our own lives and we need to constantly constantly be be revisiting all of those things to to keep ourselves motivated but what does this motivation actually look like in our lives how does it manifest itself in our lives because we all have so many different so many, we're all in different walks of life aren't we we're so different There's nothing that that we do that's sort of the same. We all have different jobs. Some of us are retired. Some of us are working. Some of us are looking after kids. um, Some of us are volunteering. It doesn't really matter what you do in your work because we're all part of the one body, aren't we? And we're all working for God because... In and in, in that, we're all equally important. Because in, uh, where are we? In, in, when Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, he said, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. So it doesn't matter. And quite often we can put ourselves down, can't we? Because we might not have what we perceive as an such an important job as someone else. But actually in the eyes of God, all our jobs are equally important. And therefore, the first thing that we need to do, the first manifestation of this motivation in our lives is to treat everyone with love and respect, because everyone is equally important in the eyes of God. We need to keep reminding ourselves and remembering that we're actually representing Jesus. We're trying to be like Jesus in our lives, aren't we? So we are representatives of Jesus, and that must affect how we behave in our jobs, because... Paul again writes to the the church in Corinth, but no, in Colossae, Coler, well, he writes to the Colossians anyway. (laughs) And he says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as you were working for the Lord, not for your human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So not only are we representing Jesus in our, in our everyday lives, in everything that we do, whether it's at work, at play, at rest, whatever, we're representing Jesus, but we're actually working for him. He's our boss as well. So that changes our motivation as well. That changes how we do things, because we might be tempted just to be a little bit lazy from time to time, because our boss, human boss, isn't watching us. But we can't do that because Jesus is always watching. He's always knowing what we're doing. So we need to really focus on, on working hard for Christ. And the key to that is that we do everything with a glad heart in love. Because this, doing things with a glad heart in love, demonstrates God's love. For the world so we need to demonstrate god's love in all we do and say after all god's grace flows from his love for the world doesn't it possibly the most famous verse in the bible for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God's grace stems from his love. So our love, God's love, must flow out from us. Because Jesus said in John 13, verses 34 and 35, a new commandment I give to you, Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So it's not a choice, is it? It's a command. And we can only fulfill that command if we stay motivated, if we stay filled by the Spirit, if we stay immersed in God's Word. So... I'm really coming to a close now. (laughs) But as I come to a close, I just wonder if there are any of us here who are feeling that little bit dry, who are feeling that little bit barren, that little bit empty, that little bit struggling, if you like. So as we close, I'd just like to take some time to go back to the well the well of the Holy Spirit, if you like. And and you can do this at home uh, on Zoom as well. So we're just going to take some time to, to, we know that God's here with us, but we just want the Holy Spirit to to come and reinvigorate ourselves, revitalize ourselves. Um, So we're just going to take some time now and wait on the Holy Spirit and ask him to refill and re-energize us uh, and to re-motivate us for the life that that he has in store for us, because it's exciting. It's it's really good. So we're just going to come to prayer, and and you can do this at home on Zoom as well. Um, As we're waiting on God, if you want to receive, it might be a good idea just to hold your hands out in in a posture to receive the Holy Spirit. Because if you ask, he will come. And we're not going to take a load of time over this we're just going to spend a few minutes and then we're going to close uh, with our our closing song You Are My Vision so let's just pray Father God we, uh, we thank you for everything that you've done for us we thank you that you sent your son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life what love you've displayed on on us we just want to reflect that love in in our everyday lives lord so we just ask you to come with your holy spirit pour your holy spirit out on us now we pray refill us re-energize us re-motivate us to to represent you in everything that we do just come holy spirit we pray jesus name Father, we thank you that you're a God that answers prayer. We thank you for your gift of the Holy Spirit to energize, to fuel us, to power us for the work that you have in store for us. So we just thank you that uh, you've refilled us now. And and just keep reminding us to to come back to the cross, to come back to your word, to be refilled regularly and, and constantly. Thank you, Father. Amen. So, our closing song, You Are My Vision. Again, if you'd like to sing, please put your mask on. Um, and you can stand up if you want, don't have to.
1: vision O King of my heart Nothing else satisfies Only you, Lord You are my best thought By day or by night Waking or sleeping Your presence my light So man's empty praise You're my inheritance now and always You and you only, the first in my heart High King of heaven, my treasure you are
0: Yes, Father, that is our prayer. Be our vision. Whatever might happen, just keep us focused on you. Keep us focused on your glory and your love. Help us as we go into this world to demonstrate how much you love it through the power of your Holy Spirit. Just go with us in this place. Amen. Amen.